So welcome to the Liberty Block. I am joined with Ed and Steve and U.S. Congressional candidate Gary Robinson running for the 10th district here in North Carolina that encompasses Catawba, a little bit of Caldwell, Lincoln, Cleveland, little bits of Iredale. It goes all over the place. So we want to thank him. Huh? I think think some Gaston too, right? A little bit of Gaston. It goes up into Alexander. Um, So it is the new 10th district that has been formed here in 2022 due to the new census. Um, So we would like to say welcome, Mr. Robinson. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Not just Um, the new census, but our wonderful Supreme Court decided that it was going to draw lines for us. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, Mr. Robinson, I want I want to address that right there to start with. What did you think about because it had to have you in quite a bit of limbo as to where you would possibly be running? What did you think about all the redistricting? So, uh, first of all, it's Dr. Robinson. Sorry, sorry. No, no, no. I'll, I'll get right. that right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Anyway. So uh, as far as the redistricting goes, it was really a problem because I was hanging on a fence trying to decide whether I was going to run it or not. Initially, a lot of our, um, like I say, we were redistrict before either further east or up into uh, Virginia Fox's territory. Right. And, and so I uh, didn't know who I could run against or if I should run, if it was against somebody that I thought was doing a good job, then I didn't want to run and waste my time. So I was really in limbo, if you will, until they finally got off the fence and and said, hey, here we go. This is the the final map. And then and then at that point, I was in another conundrum because um, I know that there's an incumbent now, Patrick McHenry, has been in for 18 years. But now I've sort of been in a different district, so I really don't know anything about him. So now I have to really sit down and talk to people and research him and see what he's about to see if he's somebody that I want to challenge. Is he somebody who holds true to conservative values or not? Okay. And if he's a good conservative uh, and he, and he follows the constitution, then why would I want to displace him? Why do you think the constitutional role of the courts is with respect to redistricting? Yeah, so that's, that's a problem. In, in North Carolina, was not very happy at all. Okay. And well, I, I have to say, I was happy and not happy. I was happy because they changed the district and I like the district as it's formed now better. Because smack dab, I've got Alexander County and Ardell County, which I practiced surgery in for 30 years. So I know a tremendous amount of people there. And then there's Hickory. And I know a lot of people in Hickory, too. And, uh, and then a little extension beyond that. So it was a, a district that I felt comfortable with. Additionally, uh, after I researched Mr. McHenry's record and found that I was dissatisfied with it, I was actually saying, okay, this is, this is a good thing for the district. I have somebody that I can run against and make things better. On the other hand, from a d- judicial viewpoint, I was not happy that they took it away from the legislature, which really has the job to do the districting in North Carolina. And they've already done it many, many times. And um, if the, when the Democrats were in power, they gerrymandered it to their advantage. And when the Republicans were in power, they switched it around. So it was their 
to their advantage. So, I mean, uh, I was, I was, I was sort of caught, caught betwixt and between. I was not happy that it went to the uh, court, but I actually was happy the way it turned out for me. If that makes any sense. I get it a hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. So now I'm getting to meet all the fantastic people in Burke County instead of, I don't know, some unknown people I never knew in, in Greensboro, which would have been there very hard for me to run against. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So the district um, for our district, anyway, it seems to um for the 10th anyway, it has stuck as a very conservative district. Um, Catawba County especially um, has a high Republican number. So where do you think you're going to need to make the most ground across the district? Well, the most ground I'm going to need to make is further west. Okay. Mm -hmm. Burke County, Catawba, Lincoln, Cleveland, that area. Because mm -hmm. I'm I think I'm pretty well known in Iredell, and I think I will carry Iredell and Alexander County. Yeah. I hope. We'll see. Got a lot of now, signs up. Yeah. Now, what, <laughs> what's your what's your main things that you're running on that is okay. going to be opposite of McHenry or improve where he's been lacking? Okay. So uh, there's a long laundry list. All right. Um, let me start with being a conservative, and by being a conservative, I mean it in every facet of the word, okay? On a religious basis, I can't really say anything negative about him, okay? However, he did fund abortion in 2015, and in 2020, he voted for the Omnibus Act, the, the budget that uh, funded Obamacare for abortion. So in, in two, two times, he funded abortion, and I'm a pro-life candidate, so that's one thing that we uh, are separate on. I would never vote for anything that had that in the, in its, uh, in the bill. Um, second thing, uh, for many, many years, there was a thing called the Dickey Amendment. Do you know that anybody know the Dickey Amendment? I do not. <clears throat> okay, well, so Dickey, I believe was a Senator from the Midwest and what he did is he clamped down on money going to the CDC and the NIH for gun violence research, okay? All right. And so every uh, budget bill from 1996 onward always had the Dickey Amendment attached. So the CDC didn't have any money to do gun, quote unquote, violence research. Once you get the government doing research into, into the effect of guns, you're on the road, okay? to gun control and further gun legislation and restriction. Um, in 2020, Mr. McHenry voted uh, to pass the bill and that bill contained a $25 million amount of money to go to the NIH and the CDC split between them to study gun control violence. They took, he, he voted along with others to take the Dickey Amendment away. Some they've been there since 1996. And so as a Second Amendment uh, advocate, I've found that distasteful. Okay, so there, those are just two issues that- um, But those are important issues, that's the thing. Well, do you think, that, do you think that abortion and, and the Second Amendment are the two most important issues facing the country today? No, no, I don't. So what do you uh, think are the most important issues facing the country? 
I think the most important issue right now is fiscal responsibility. Okay. Now, everyone, everyone in the country has their own hot points and hot buttons, things that set them off. Okay. Um, uh, I understand that, but, but from what's going to happen to the country right now, <clears throat> what we have to, what we have to understand is that we have inflation last month of 8.5%. It was 7% the month before, 3% the month before. Okay. But if you look at what's happening, it's increasing on a month by month basis. Now you have to ask yourself, why is that? Well, last couple of years, the federal reserve increased the money supply by 58%. Okay. That 58% dilutes your money by about a third. Okay. So, your inflation should really be around 33%. And it may get there because of the extra money printing that went on at the Federal Reserve and because of the, how can I say, the way that uh, Mr. Biden and the Rhino Republicans are treating the economy. So what's going to happen? And it may not be the biggest issue right now in people's understanding, okay? Because we're only on, you know, the, the primary is on May 17th, so we're only a month away. But you have to look to the future, okay? And it, in the future, I see higher inflation. And inflation is the, what they call the hidden tax, okay? The government, okay. government come, okay? What, what can Congress do to combat inflation? Well, the first thing they can do is stop spending money like uh, uh, sailors in a, in a drunken rage if you will okay okay and i won't even say where they might be okay but um and and i have to apologize for all my sailor friends right because <laughs> okay go navy man okay all right uh, so <laughs> gosh you have to you have to be so careful today because people get upset about everything uh go going back so for instance mr mr Mr. Biden, or President Biden, put forth a budget, I think, of about 5.8 trillion. But we're only going to collect about 4.3 trillion in revenues. That means that we're going to increase the deficit by 1.5 trillion. Right now, we spend five about 500 billion dollars a year on the interest on the deficit. Well, guess what? If inflation goes up, the interest rate will go up. In fact, you can see it happening already. About uh, Six months ago, I could have refinanced my refinanced my home for about two point nine percent for thirty years. Now they want five percent. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen to people that are going to start to try buy a home? Home prices are going up through the roof because of inflation and okay, and everybody wanting to get in, so like a frenzy or a balloon now, and and the interest rates are going up, so people are going to have to spend more to get into a house. In, so in March, yeah, on March 14th, I think Biden signed an executive order uh, directing all federal agencies in the Federal Reserve to study the implementation of a digital currency, federal district digital currency. <laughs> What's your position on that? Okay, I, I'm opposed right now. Why? Why? For many reasons. Reason number one: if the federal uh, reserve has a digital currency, then it will be able to monitor every expense 
and income that everybody in the United States has. There are no secrets anymore. If I, if I want to buy a magazine that, uh, that advocates uh, rifles, okay, I will get put on a list as somebody who likes rifles. You see what I mean? Okay, all that, all that information will be stored and sorted, okay? Yeah, I wouldn't and, call that secrets. I would call that the right of privacy. Well, it is the right of privacy, but there are other people that might do something that are a little bit more off the line, all right? Uh, yeah. They might, they, they might uh, okay, let's say they might want, want buy a book that has pornography in it, and now they get labeled with that and put into a different shoe. And uh, while, while that's not something that I would be doing, okay, I have to defend the right of people to their privacy to do whatever they want to do in their own homes. It doesn't hurt me. And so there you go. There are other reasons, though. Once there's a digital currency, the federal government can manipulate it any way it wants. It can increase the supply, decrease the supply, okay? Track you. I'm, I'm, I shudder. But the, it's like a vaccine but, passport on steroids. That's, that's yeah. how I described it. Well, on our that's show. a good way to put it. Well, you know what? You know what digital is? It's numbers, okay? And I had a terrible dream last night of the number 666. Okay. All right. And, and I started thinking to myself, what is six in digital currency? Okay. Because it's all zeros and ones. And I think it's one, one, one. Okay. So six times one, one, one. And then my mind exploded because, you know, and I woke up and I was doing calculations because I'm crazy like that. You know, that's what happens when you get into the mind of a, of a Mensa uh, uh, member. You know, they, they start thinking of things that, you know, that are that may not be logical, but you have to follow them to their natural sequence. So once I get through with this election and I'll be working on that. Okay. And so the I so the IRS is now going to be tracking things like PayPal, Venmo, anything over six hundred dollars per per year, I believe it is. So what kind of actions would you put forth to. I don't I don't even know what actions you could put well, forward, but to well, try to reverse well, that. Yeah. So what what Congress needs to do is they need to pass legislation says the federal government can't do that. Can't pry into your own individual affairs like that. It's, it's very simple. It needs to be a privacy act. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I Let me tell you. Oh, when I was 17, I left home. Not because my parents were mean or, or abusive or anything, okay? But I wanted to be on my own and to be free of control, right? Okay. And that's because that's what I thought America was founded on, was freedom. Freedom to speak what you want, freedom to do what you want, okay? And all these things like, like a digital currency, controlled and and where all your money is spent, controlled by the federal government, okay, that's not where I want to go. But, okay, that's that's going to be uh, a change in the freedom that we have. So, Speaking of the free free speech, Elon Musk is in the process of buying Twitter. His his offer, as we're recording this, was apparently accepted. Uh, what is your role? What is your position on the government's role in? regulating cancel culture as practiced by the social media companies? 
Yeah, so here's the thing. I think that's a terrible thing. There shouldn't be any kind of censorship. People should be able to, if you have a, if you have, let's say, you have a business that is, that is predicated on people being able to post their thoughts. And their thoughts may not be good thoughts, or they might be fantastic thoughts. But that's your business. You are providing a blackboard for people to express themselves. And um, we have the right in America for free speech. I believe that if you are in the business of providing a forum for free speech, then you should not be in the position to censor it. There should People are grownups. They should be able to realize um, what they want to listen to or what they want to read and what they don't. Okay. Now, it's different for small children. We have to protect small children, but adults should be able to sort it out themselves. The first, I, you know, we have freedom of speech, as Patrick Henry said, not the McHenry, but the Patrick Henry, the real, the, the real deal. Okay. You know, give me liberty or give me death. But, but the, one of the things that he said was, I may not agree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. Say it. Right. Okay. And that's what and that's role, what, if any, just sorry, go ahead, finish. No, no. And, and that's my feeling. What role, if any, does Congress have in uh, overseeing whether, whether, can, whether these companies prevent you from speaking? Do these companies have a right to, to shut you out? Ah, so now you have, so now you have to, now you have to say, what are the companies providing? So what I'm going to say is the following. If a company is going to censor what's posted, then it should start out as a company that says, hey, we are going to censor what's posted. Okay. All right. We're not in the business of just posting what people want to say and give free speech. We're not that company. We're a company that's going to restrict what people can say. All right. And then in America, I have the ability to say, okay, I want to join that company or use that company or not. All right. So for instance, if a company, uh, if another company was developed right now, similar to Facebook or Twitter, okay, and Twitter was, let's say, blocking Mr. Trump from posting, but the other company didn't, then those that want to listen to Mr. Trump can just go over to the other company and, and live a freer life. Let me try and, and narrow the question for you a little bit. There's this, it's my belief that there's a split in the conservative libertarian movement as to whether private companies should be allowed to do what they want, because that's how we, that's how we roll. We, re we respect private property. And there are others that say that these companies are acting as agents of the government or quasi-governmental entities. What's your view on that? And how would you deal with, with the problem or not problem of companies uh, silencing people? Yeah. So, so the reason that people can, reason that a company can silence people is because they have a monopoly. In other words, there's, there isn't another company out there right now like Twitter. So you can have legislation that says Twitter has to provide okay, a censored output and an uncensored output. Okay. And then so you, you can- legislation that says that? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if the if the companies want to do it themselves, then you can force it on the companies that they have to have a censored arm and an uncensored arm, and then you can decide which you want to uh, belong to. Okay, I think I think that make I think that makes the most sense, and. Or, or, or you have to do what was done with AT&T, which is you split the company up and you say, okay, we're splitting the company. Sorry, you're a censored company and you're a non-censored company. Okay. Do you believe that we should have free trade with dictatorships? <laughs> um, yes. You want me to go on? It's your interview. Uh, <laughs> do, you want, do you think it needs explanation? Well... Well, there are dictators, and then I welcome there, you. And then there are dictators. <laughs> For instance, um, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, they produce a lot of oil. We need a lot of oil. We get a lot of oil from Saudi Arabia. So, should we trade with Saudi Arabia? Uh, clearly, it's a kingship, which is very akin, if you will, to a dictatorship. And yes, you have to be pragmatic and and deal with them okay on the other hand there is there are some uh that you would like to restrict um how can i say uh trade with uh north korea for instance they have clearly have a dictatorship and uh i wouldn't trade with them so you have to do it on china uh china is a real problem okay and um china is really the key to that section of the world, okay? So you have to ask yourself, what does China want, which is to dominate that whole section, take over Taiwan, okay? Uh, take over as much of the world as they can economically. So would it be based on what we can receive from that country more than think, how they treat their citizens? Uh, well, gosh. Every sovereign country has a right to treat its citizens any way that it wants. So do we want to be in the process of quote unquote nation building? I don't think so because nation building doesn't really work. People tend to fall into the government that they want. And if the government that they want is a, a democracy, then they will seek it, okay? For instance, let, let, okay, look at Afghanistan, all right. Uh, we, we went into Afghanistan, we toppled the uh, Taliban, we pushed everybody out, everything was great, but we continued to have wars, and wars and wars and fighting and uh, a democracy. And then as soon as we pulled out, the whole thing just fell apart again. And now we're right back to where we started from. So nation building yeah. doesn't work. You know, people, yeah. the people, the people in the nation have to build it. It Correct. can't come from outside. Let me ask you this. In 1959, Castro takes over Cuba and brings communism there. Less than three years later, we have the Cuban Missile Crisis. We imposed an embargo and, and ended all trade with Cuba. Do you believe that that embargo neutered the military threat that Cuba posed to us, or do you think otherwise? Oh, no, clearly it was the right thing to do because it pushed back the Russians and they had to take their missiles away. 
Okay, so, so why wouldn't we want to do why wouldn't we want to do a similar embargo, say, on China? Ah, and you know what? That is that is where I was going. You see, China right now depends on the U.S. to buy all the stuff that's made there. And we have to stop making the stuff in China. We have to start making it here. They're making most a lot of our pharmaceuticals, I think. Uh, the majority of our antibiotics and lots of other things. And um, that's, that's a problem. Okay, so the way to deal with China right now is economically. You just say, listen, we're going to cut down our trade with you by X amount. Now, it will drive up the price of Chinese articles in the United States. But in time, the Chinese will see that uh, they have to accomplish that. Tariffs? Uh, uh, tariffs, you could provide legislation that says that only so much from China can be shipped into the country. You can take away their favorite, their favorite tra- uh, nation trading, uh, which, which Bill Clinton gave to him, I think during his administration and, and, uh, and you can, you can impose tariffs also to slow down the, the, the Chinese goods from coming in the United States. And by doing that, you will actually achieve a couple things. Okay, China will now become an Iranian, an anti-Iranian ally. China, which is the main supplier and keeping, uh, let's see, North Korea afloat right now, you can probably get them to cut that off. And then North Korea will now become part of South Korea because the South Koreans want to join with them, and all they have to do is give them a chance. And I can guarantee you that the people in North Korea, the average person would much rather be living in South Korea, okay, and have South Korean government. So you don't have to do nation building there. All you have to do is let the people make their choice once the government uh, topples. Anyway, um, so much for- I feel like I've been hogging the questions. I could keep going for the for the full hour, but Gina and Steve, if you've got some questions, jump okay. in. Okay, well, fire away. I hope I, I hope I haven't been answering. Are you keeping a, like a thing? Do I get like a C or a D at the end? Of the-, the voters will decide. Oh, my God. Nation building. OK, here we go. Who's Gina? I can't hear Gina, you. You're, you're muted. Oh. You're still muted. Keep unmuting. Can you hear me now? Yes. yes. Can you hear me? So you have got three other challengers um in this race you've got uh a a dentist dr magnata you've got richard spear and jeff gregory so have you noticed anything that is separating you from those other candidates as of right now yeah so well, well we could start at the top each each one of us i believe professes to be a constitutionalist, each one of us professes to be a conservative Republican, okay? So how do you draw a difference? Well, I have uh, gone to college, I got all, all A's my last three or four years, got plenty of honors when I was in medical school. I was only one of, one of three people three people out of 180 who got a medical degree with distinction in my class. So it was at the top of my medical school class. 
during my surgery. Where did you go to medical school at? Just out of curiosity. Albert Einstein in the Bronx. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, right across the Whitestone Bridge. <laughs> anyway, um, and uh, and then I did my surgical residency in San Diego, and I was the first person to be called an administrative chief resident. I had never had that position before. So um, from an educational viewpoint, I've got a, a better education than any of these people. Now, dentists, yes, they, they go to college, they go to dental school, but then I did an additional six years of training in residency uh, to further my education in surgery. So I've got uh, much more education than everybody else. Uh, I think I went to, well, we can, we can debate whether I went to better schools or not. That's, that's an, another issue. But, uh, and I'm a member of Mensa. And uh, Mensa is the genius society. You have to have a certain IQ to get in. Uh, and uh, I don't think the other three people are. So as far as education and overall intellectual ability, I'm better than them. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Number one. Oh, go ahead. Number two. Number two. I, I, I'm ready to interrupt you again. Go ahead, keep going. No, no. Okay. <laughs> Number two. Uh, during my 30 years of surgical practice, I did about $2 million worth of free work uh, for patients from the open door clinic. Now, those were people that didn't have any insurance. This is obviously before Obamacare. So I would just have those patients come up to me. I would uh, give them supplies out of my pocket, treat them, operate on them never charge them. So uh, I have been sacrificing for North Carolina for 30 years. It's not like I haven't been doing something for the community. So I've been, I've always been giving back. Okay. Um, and so I asked myself, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, what can you further do to give back? So I decided that I could invest six years of my life, okay? Um, because I don't, I don't wanna uh, serve more than three terms. I'm a term limit person. And during that six years, I would take my entire salary uh, in the House of Representatives and I would donate that to the District 10 school system for supplies for the teachers so they don't have to pay for it out of their pockets. And also for uh, scholarships for the students. Okay, so I'm a very pro-education type person, uh, trying to help out wherever I can. And so, so what distinctions do I have? Well, I've got better education. I'm a smarter person. Uh, and, um, and in addition, I'm giving back to the community, not just serving and uh, doing a good job with honesty, integrity. I won't take any money from uh, these uh, big uh, uh, secret donors and lobbyists. A lobbyist, I think, can come in my office. He can sit there for five minutes with the door open so everyone can hear what he's saying, and then they can scoot out. I'm not taking money from him. I'm not selling my vote. I'm not selling my soul. And there you have it. As a doctor, what insights can you share with us about the approach the government has taken to treating COVID? You have, gosh. COVID is a very strange disease, okay? I could see immediately, as soon as I started getting the news reports from China, that they were locking down and that they were 
trying to contain the virus themselves. And uh, Mr. Trump was exactly right. If you can prevent the entry of that virus into the United States, if he could have done that, okay, then we would, none of us would have ever gotten sick. We wouldn't have needed vaccines or anything else. We could have just kept it out of the U.S. But once it breached into our borders, it was inevitable what happened. Okay. Now, what was inevitable? Uh, that, uh, that it would spread through the entire country quickly. <clears throat> and, that, and, and also that it will continue to mutate. Okay. And every time it mutates, it becomes a new strain. And so you, you have, and you lose your ability to a certain extent to fight the new strain because it changes a little bit, right? So the outside surface of the virus changes, your ability to recognize it as a foreign invader changes. And so your ability to be, to be, uh, have immunity to it changes, it lowers as the virus uh, mutates. So early vaccines are not gonna be effective, although they might help to stimulate the overall immune response that you have to viruses in general, and maybe some part of that virus. So it might not be as lethal in some people as it would be. But what we hope, what we hope is that uh, as the virus mutates, it will, it will mutate in a smart way, okay? So- do the, vaccines, do the vaccines encourage the virus to mutate? No. In fact, they, they, if, if, if you could have stopped the virus completely, then it would have never mutated. Okay. But you, know, you, you think the claims of leaky vaccine are, are exaggerated or, or just factually incorrect? I, th I think they're probably incorrect. I think the vaccines are probably safe. We don't know that for sure. Okay. Because this type of, you know, the MRA, uh, the, NR, the RNA, mRNA viruses, virus uh, vaccines are completely new. So we don't overall know exactly what the long-term effects are. But I can tell you, um, I go fishing in Canada a lot, okay? Hello, Canada, but you can't vote to me, so out of heck with you. Oh, uh, no. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, in order to get into Canada to go fishing, I had to have full vaccinations, okay? They check your card. I had to have like all three to get in. Wouldn't let me in. So um, I can tell you, I haven't, I haven't. Do you think that was good? Do you think that was wise policy? Uh, that was, that was wise for Canada. Okay. I'm not sure it's wise for the United States. I think vaccines have to be on an individual basis. If you want to take them fine. You know, my brother refused to take the vaccine. Okay. He thought it was a terrible thing. And I, and I said, well, I took it and I haven't developed any horns or any problems, but Okay, he, he didn't want to do it. So I supported him. Um, then his mother went into a, okay, a type of living center uh, for the elderly. And uh, they wouldn't let him in unless he was vaccinated. And so he was like, okay, now I can't even get in to see my mother unless I get vaccinated. So then he got vaccinated. So it's, a, you know, we're being, we're being, a lot of us are being forced to, to get vaccinated, okay, whether we like it or not. And uh, so far we haven't seen 
terrible side effects from the vaccine. We don't know what the future is, but so far it looks relatively safe. Okay. So what, what about, what about alternative therapeutics like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and others? What's your position on those? I think the, I think the government was too restrictive. And then I came out and said, I can't, I could not write a prescription for those drugs for people that wanted them. Okay. Now I have to tell you, uh, the scientific data on ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine is, is not uh, showing a lot of promise. But what I will tell you is that those drugs have a low, a very low risk ratio, okay? So there's no reason to restrict them from people if they wanted to take them. I, um, I, I'll give you another instance. Uh, a lot of people have cramps in the United States, leg cramps at night, and uh, they can be quite severe. Uh, long ago, we used to prescribe quinine uh, as medication for it. Well, the government did a study and they determined that quinine was not effective. It's not an effective treatment. But, but I have many patients that swore that the quinine helped them. Now, quinine is a relatively benign drug Okay, side effects are, are very rare and the people have been taking it for years and yet the government pulled it off the shelves and restricted it so I couldn't write a prescription for it. But the government's way too controlling. Okay, just way too controlling as far as physician-patient interactions. Did you receive any letters from any medical licensing boards regarding what you could tell patients about therapeutics? About Not really. I don't remember getting any. I don't remember getting any. So I do have a, a question. So what are your top priorities once you get into Congress? Okay. Well, there are certain, well, right away, there are certain things that I will not vote for. Okay. Uh, if a bill has abortion, I'm voting for it. If a bill doesn't have a, a, a balanced budget, I'm not voting for it. Uh, increasing uh, the national debt, I'm not voting for it. Uh, uh, anything to do with restricting firearms, taking away our Second Amendment rights, I'm I'm voting against it. So uh, there there are certain issues that are very black and white for me. Okay, I'm not going to fund Planned Parenthood. I think that uh, uh, if a bill came over that said that we have to, for instance, teach uh, critical race theory to our children in the schools, I would I would not vote, I would vote against that. And 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 I would and I would vote for a bill that would say that, that uh, education belongs at the local level and that you cannot restrict federal funds from the local schools to provide the education and the books that they want to use, okay, right? In other words, uh, that's government intrusion on what, your what you want your children to learn. And I'm, I'm against that, we'll fight that. Um, uh, the Ukraine. Uh, I think Mr. Biden handled this so terribly, it's unbelievable. If you can stand on TV and say the Russians are going to attack the Ukraine for weeks solid before it happens and you do nothing, okay, that's incompetence. And so if he knew the Russians were going to attack a week beforehand, he must, the, I, I guarantee you that the, the intelligence agencies in Washington 
were watching Russian troop movements for a long time. Okay. And so there must have been a big lead time going into this. Right. So, so during that lead time, that's when our president should have created what we did with Britain uh, during World War II, a lend lease uh, arrangement. So we lend lease all the equipment that, that the Ukrainians needed to uh, survive and protect themselves against an invasion from Russia. And if they had done that okay, and applied some economic pressure to Russia, the whole thing might have never happened. Okay, but you let the ball roll down the hill and eventually it rolls into the mud. Okay, the, it's much easier to prevent the war than it is to, to uh, fight one. And now look what's happened in the Ukraine. Okay, a country that was very beautiful, a country that had millions and millions of loving people in it. People are being, are, are suffering tremendously. I, my father, Okay, was born in the Ukraine in, I think, 1907, and his family immigrated to the United States in 1909. So, okay, so I'm, uh, uh, I'm the child of uh, legal immigrants, if you will, okay? Well, can, you, can you speak on the immigration chaos that is our southern border right now? Yes. <clears throat> So my feeling on it is it's very, very simple. Mr. Trump had it exactly right. Build the wall. The wall is cheap. It was like 10 or $15 billion. They're spending, there's, God, they're spending a th almost a thousand times as much on the federal budget. They, they waste more money in Africa uh, than that would have cost. So there's a small amount of money. Build the wall, okay, and reinforce our southern border with more agents, okay? We must control the Southern border, not just because of the illegal immigration, uh, not just because of the uh, terrorists that might be able to come into our country across that border, okay? But because we have to stem the tide of the illegal drugs that are coming into our country, with uh, essentially the fentanyl, which is, which is poisoning and killing 100, perhaps up to 100,000 people a day, okay? Uh, not, uh, not a day, a year, excuse me. That would be ridiculous. Now, I personally know, personally know of uh, at least six people close to me that I knew that in the last five years have died from drug overdoses, okay? Children of, of parents who suffer the grief, okay? I mean, one... Uh, one mother and father who died of fentanyl overdoses, leaving two little baby girls. I'm needless deaths. Okay, needless deaths. Uh, so we have to stem. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional, but uh, uh, needless deaths are something that really, really bothered me. You know, I did everything in my power to keep people alive with. For thirty some years, just here in in Statesville, and uh, another god ten before that, so it it uh, just gets me to the quick. Okay, needless deaths. But we need to do something about that. But but let me let me just say one, one thing before that: our federal government is directly responsible for those deaths.
Okay, not just because they don't control the southern border and the entry of those drugs into the United States, but <clears throat> about 15 years ago, they developed a uh, a how can I say a restriction or a law that pain was now the fifth vital sign. So if, if let's say you go into the hospital and uh, and uh, they take your vital signs, they take your pulse, they take your blood pressure, they take your temperature and other things, and then then they ask you, how much pain are you in? Okay. And a lot of people would say, well, I got significant pain. And, and guess what? Guess what? They started making us give narcotics to people if they had any pain at all, because everybody was thought to have uh, a necessity to have zero pain. Okay. Now pain is a, Pain is something that everybody experiences in life. Uh, when you burn yourself, you say, oh, I'm not going to do that again. Yeah, so we all have pain, and it's a natural thing, but we shouldn't be suppressing that pain completely. So the government exposed all these people to narcotics, okay, and essentially addicted them, okay? You give the taste, you give the taste of something to someone who has a low resistance, and they will continue to, to search it out. And so I believe a lot of the narcotic problem that we have today, especially with the abuse of OxyContin, was driven by the government. They're impl implicated in it and also by Big Pharma, okay, who made billions and billions of dollars. And they sent out all these salespeople to my office specifically to try and get me to, to use OxyContin as a pain medicine. Okay. And to this day, I don't think I've written one prescription for it. Okay. Because I could see it was a dangerous drug. But again, I'm sorry, I probably took too much time there. No, but it, it's important where those two correlate. Um, so there was just a, I don't know if he was a National Guard or if he was the Border Patrol agent, um, but crossing over the Rio Grande earlier today or last night, it was two drug smugglers that got caught in the current down there in the Rio Grande, down in Eagle. Eagle Pass is how they say it down there, but in Eagle Pass, Texas. And now we've got an agent or a um, National Guardsman that's dead because he jumped in the water um, to save these two who ended up being um, large scale um, drug drug mules or drug cartel members, whichever they were. You know, so it, it all plays a connecting role with each other. It's a that's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. Yes. Once again. Once again, so if you secure the border, if you truly secure the border, okay, then people won't be trying to get across like that. And you're going to be saving not only that National Guardman's life, but lots and, I mean, maybe 100,000 lives a year in the United States. Okay. I mean, so the heroin problem was bad enough, but now they're lacing it with fentanyl because fentanyl is cheap. It's 50 times more powerful. Uh, gram for gram than heroin is. So a little tiny bit of fentanyl will get you high, whereas you need a lot of heroin. Okay? Now, but the and, main source of that, again, is China coming yep. into Mexico, correct? It's my understanding. And But now, now I understand is that uh, in some ways, some of the precursors of the chemicals are coming from China into Mexico and then being converted into fentanyl and then sent over the border. So this is, I got to tell you, this is a real zigzag of a problem, okay? And, uh, but we got to, we got to do everything in our power to stamp this out. Again, a problem, 
China's trying to destroy our country from within. Okay? Can't allow that. that. Go ahead. No, I was telling you, go ahead. Was January 6th an insurrection? No. Okay? No. What should, what should be done to the to the prisoners that are being held in uh, in D.C.? They should slap their hands and send them home and say, don't do it again. Okay? Now, I'm going to tell you why. Okay? There were no real weapons involved, so it wasn't an armed insurrection. It was just a bunch of people that uh, that tried to express themselves, which, which, okay. Now, imagine those people stormed into a building and did whatever they did, and now they're facing prosecution and jail time. And we had riots in this country, okay, in the last two years uh, where, where uh, people went in, destroyed buildings, looted them, etc. And they're not going to jail. Okay. We couldn't even get the police or the National Guard to go in there and protect those businesses. So, but now we're going to, because we have a demonstration, okay, uh, that, that I will say was perhaps excessive. Okay. And we're going to really try and hammer those people that are trying to be patriots? I don't think so. I will give you, I will give you a, historical, uh, a historical perspective. Uh, after George Washington was el elected our first president, and uh, Alexander Hamilton was made Secretary of Treasury. We didn't have a treasury at the time. It said, okay, we're just a pretty smart guy with money and stuff. We're going to make you Secretary of Treasury. In fact, I think Alexander Hamilton was his top aide during the Revolutionary War at the end. And uh, brilliant man, not born in the United States, unfortunately, so he could never become president. At that time, uh, Alexander Hamilton said, hey, you know, we don't have any money. We need to raise revenue because they had a lot of war debt. OK, a lot of bonds out there that people were holding. Okay? And Hamilton realized that in order for America to be a true sovereign country, you had to pay your debts, okay? And in order to pay the debts, they needed to raise revenue. Well, so where do you raise revenue from? The major, major revenue coming into the country was like tariffs and things like that of goods coming into the country. He said, well, we could put a tax on tea. But you know what happened last time? There was a tax on tea, a Boston Tea Party, right? So they decided that they would put a tax on whiskey. And my, my recollection is the farmers uh, out West. Shays Rebellion. Yep. Decided we're going to have the Whiskey Rebellion. Come on in, man. So they all came in with their muskets. Now you have to understand, at that time, uh, all the farmers had muskets because that's, the, you know, they were all hunters. Okay. And this shows you how important it is for everyone to have their Second Amendment rights. But that's an aside. So. This army of farmers marches in and Washington says, well, we can't have this. This is an armed insurrection. Okay. Can't have, says, so he's dispensed Alexander Hamilton at the head of the then army of the United States. They went in and they confronted these people. Clearly the army was in much better shape uh, 
uh, to fight a war than a bunch of farmers. You know, they were outgunned and cannons and all that stuff. So Alexander Hamilton said, well, we could, you know, we can do this one of two ways. We can come to a peaceful arrangement or we can have a fight. And after a little negotiation, Hamilton said he would work with them and sent all the farmers home. Okay. So no one got hurt. No one went to jail. No one got punished and they didn't hang anybody. Okay. And that's how you treat citizens. You treat them fairly. You listen. Why are you having a problem that you would get to this state? Okay. So we need to do something to prevent that from happening again. Okay. So we have to understand that there are people who have real concerns and we have to deal with them. So um, Hamilton went back, they had a long discussion and they decided, okay, everyone can make 50 gallons of alcohol a year for, for personal consumption, right? Now I, now, I don't drink beer like some of our Supreme Court justices, but I do like bourbon. It's a Southern drink, okay? But I can't drink 50 gallons of bourbon a day. I wouldn't be able to talk to you now. Okay, I'd be lying on the floor somewhere, okay? So... Uh, a little bit of justice goes a long way. A little bit of thought goes a long way. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. let me, you know, speaking of historic, you know, historical issues, and you said you're a constitutionalist. Um, uh -oh. There's a movement, there's a movement across, across the country by Democrats to use Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to claim to throw people like Madison Cawthorn off the ballot as a result of the insurrection. What do you think the constitutional basis of that claim is? How would you analyze it? Okay, so what I would say is um, the state of North Carolina okay, is in charge of its own elections. And the federal government has no right to restrict somebody uh, under that title from, from running for office. Okay? If the, if the if the uh, district that he's in wants to elect him, <clears throat> then he should be elected. And then he can go to Congress. And if Congress has some uh, item that they can present well, that he should not sit, okay, then they can present it at that point because they have ethics committees and other things if they can find it. But if he, if he become, he should be able to run and become the legitimate uh, uh, because they're represented from that district. People, the people have to decide. It's a government by the people, okay, of the people and for the people. And that's my stance, okay? It's just another, it's just another twisted way to keep uh, a, a very strong conservative out of, uh, out of Congress so they can try and push another rhino in there that, that really won't do the job like Mr. McHenry. Two minutes. Can't drink coffee. Oh no, I was I was muted, but I do have a question. So, who would you say that you most would want to work with in Congress right now, and who would you want to stay the farthest away from? Yes. Okay. So, I think that that the the tribe or the AOC conglomerate of people. Okay. I think uh, that they would not. Okay that they would not uh, even talk to me. Do you now, think AOC belongs in Mensa? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. She belongs waiting tables, but that's another story. Okay? All right. 
you know, when she interviews somebody that's that's come before uh, uh, her committee for s- some reason, I hate to listen to her questions because they're a name. But let me go on. Um, now, as far as working with <clears throat> the person, I would uh, I would love to work with is Rand Paul. Okay. Um, I'm sorry he got beat up by his crazy neighbor, but that's another story. But uh, as far as uh, holding to ideals, it's not, it's not because you want some Kentucky bourbon or anything, right? No, no. But I, but I would not. I would, you know, if he could get some Pappy Van Winkle or pull some, you know, pull some strings, <laughs> I, I would, I would be 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 holding to him for a long time. But well, he's he, in the Senate, though. Who, who in the House would you want to work with? And uh, just to amplify uh, the question. Your first vote would be for speaker. Who would you vote for to be speaker? Yes, and so there's a problem right there. So right now, the person who is going to become the speaker is is uh, Kevin, okay, McCarthy. Um, is that my ideal? No, I would. I I think he's more of a rhino, okay, if you will, than really a, a true solid Republican. So. Um, my God, I'm at a loss right now to think of who I would want to work with most in the, in the, um, in, uh, the house. Uh, but, um, my plan was to join the freedom caucus and to find somebody that's in that caucus that I could work with to, uh, try and promote him to move up the ladder. Okay. That works. And Ed, it is about quarter two, so it's been about an hour now. Do you have any more questions for Mr. Robinson or Stephen? Is there anything um, that you see or have heard that has pulled any questions to mind? No, I was just going to remind that it's Dr. Robinson, and I was also sorry, Dr. Robinson. I apologize. Speaker the House, because the, I'm very cynical about Congress, the way I understand it. If you're lucky enough to get there, they sit you down on day one and they tell you what your job will be and they tell you what you're allowed to do, and what you're not allowed to do. And without a major change in the speaker, nothing's going to matter anyway. So I, I was going to ask about who you would support for speaker. What do you think of Donald Trump being speaker? Well, he's not in the House. But he's not required to be in the House. Speaker can be anyone. Seriously. Well, now you know something that now you know something I thought that the speaker had to be a member of the House of Representatives. I'm studying up. Maybe I can get into Mensa, too. Well, you know what? Uh, You know what? I'm 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 going to I'm you got me. How's that? How about Elon Musk for speaker? There you go. Well, you know what? Elon Musk would be a wonderful speaker, but he's I'm sure he's too occupied with all the other things he's going to be doing, like buying Twitter and flying SpaceX to yeah, Mars. Let's, let's let him try and figure out a way to get us no, to Mars. But no, but well, no, but but uh, if 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 in reality Donald Trump could be speaker, I'd be happy to support that. I would in fact in fact to have him sitting up there would make me the happiest man in the world looking down He'd be looking down at Nancy Pelosi and and I would go to bed every night and I would have wonderful dreams. OK. All right. And that. Well, if, yeah. Matt, if Matt Gatz has his way, then he's going to be nominating Trump. 
Well, you know what? Uh, I would support that 100%. Okay, now realize, realize that Mr. McHenry was the only Republican in the House from North Carolina, okay, that voted to certify Biden's election. Okay, the only Republican. Okay, voted against Mr. Trump right at the end. Okay. Do you think that the election was stolen? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, stolen, manipulated. Yes. I think that there were votes uh, cast uh, that were not proper. And, and one of the things I would like to do is, is have a, a federal law that everyone has to have a photo ID to vote in any federal election. Let's just get away from all this and be done with it. I have to have, a, I have, to have a, an ID to cash a check. I have to have a photo ID to get on an airplane. I had to have a photo ID to get a vaccination shot from the federal government because they wanted to make sure who I was so they could you know, fill out the card. Um, what good would a federal, I mean, I'm not against IDs, but what good is an ID gonna do you for when we've got illegals coming into the country and they can fake IDs, they can, oh, they can, they no, can get a real ID for a fake person? Well, I mean, isn't, isn't that sort of insufficient? Well, no, no. So, so, so realize this, that, that right. We realize that, that there are security systems that are broken, right? So uh, everybody who has a debit card has a pin. So you have a photo ID and you get a pin for the government. So you go to vote, they check you in, you punch in your pin, it matches, you're done. You know, so if you have a four digit pin, they gotta. They have to try ten thousand times before they can match. Okay, just statistically, you know, it's just trying different numbers randomly. So it is one in ten thousand. You or you have to have your ID with the last four years social security. Well, that would well, but then they people could steal that too. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Um, so would you do away with absentee balloting? Uh, no. But all the absentee ballots would have to be received by the election day, okay? And they would have to undergo a vetting process. In other words, in other words, uh, uh, you have to put in on the on the ballot, okay, your PIN number. Okay, so now there's a secondary check. Does this PIN number match along with the signature? If it doesn't, ballot gets thrown in the box. Doesn't get counted, okay? Was this? I'm. Let me let me just say this. I I don't believe that we should have voter restriction. I believe that in America, everybody not everybody. I'm I'm not sure felons should be voting, but maybe if they get rehabilitated properly. But everybody should vote if they can. We should not place an undue restriction on somebody to keep them from voting. But we need to keep people that can't vote and that don't exist from voting. We need to have a fair, a fair vote count. So um, that's obviously one thing I'm gonna do. And let me, let me just say this, the first day of Congress, they can tell me what I'm gonna do, what I can't do, whatever. I'm, I've never been a person who listened to, what, to that. I'm a free thinker and I will push on and do what's right in my heart. Um, 
Apparently, France had an election this week, and France has no absentee ballots, and they have same-day voting only. So if it's good enough for Macron, I think it should be good enough for us here. Well, uh, and, and if that were, and that would be fine with me too, okay? But, but, but you will always have, okay, but you will always have absentee balloting. And, and the reason for that is that we have armed services people spread all over the world. And those people are not going to be able to be able to vote on election day in all those different places and really get it done. Just, I don't think that's a practical thing. So that we'll always have some reason for an, an absentee ballot somebody who's so crippled up in their house that they can't move. Okay, we can't bring the ballot machines to them. So, but interesting. I, I think we'll always have some form of it. Again, again, the, the, the position has to be, in my mind, that everyone has the right to vote and, ev well, everyone that, that uh, <laughs> is, it a, is a citizen, all right? has the right to vote and they should vote if they can and we should not restrict people from voting but we should make sure that the people that are voting are who they say they are okay now you know the old joke the old joke is that when kennedy won the election against nixon he won because of the the landslide victory in chicago Cook county and, yes and a lot of the a lot of names on the ballots came from the cemetery so um and Nixon, to his forever shame, didn't challenge. And and history would have been completely rewritten. Yeah, but that's why you got to remember, it's because he gave in on that, that they loved him so much in the press. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he endeared himself. But but if you, I don't, you know, if you remember the, the, uh, Let's see, what is it? Uh, the I am not a crook uh, speech, yeah. You know, and with his little dog there and whatever. Yeah. So, didn't he give that speech in Disneyland? I don't Disney know. Disney World? I, I think no, he did. I did. No, Disney Americans World. Americans want to know that their president is not a crook. I am not yeah. a crook. No, I don't. It couldn't have been Disney World. It had to be Disneyland. Okay. Oh, yeah. Disney World yeah. wasn't until after. It wasn't there. Yeah, oh, but no, it no. could have. No, because that was in 72 and or 73 and Disney World opened in 67. I think it was Disney World. Really? I'm not positive, but I think so. Huh. Well, anyway, we're getting close to your oh, self-appointed deadline. I'm gonna have uh, to if take my off. partners yeah. have any other questions, I'll let them ask. And if not, uh, if you have any final statements or comments that you want to make, we'll give you the floor uh once the questions are done. I am all set. I actually, I told you guys I was in a construction mess and I actually have one of my estimators here for my siding and gutters. So I am good. I was wondering why my dogs were barking. Okay. Steve. Well, hope to see you on May 5th. Yes, sir. Okay. Right. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck. Thank you, Dr. Robinson.